Welcome to the MedTech Wealth Advisor Podcast, a show dedicated to teaching professionals and entrepreneurs in the MedTech field how to save more money, pay less taxes, and become financially independent. Join certified financial planner, professional Matthew Nelson, as he draws from years of experience and speaks with guest experts to solve the biggest challenge, aligning your money with your values, while thriving in the mission-driven world of MedTech. Hello, and welcome to the MedTech Wealth Advisor podcast with Matt Nelson. Matt, good to be with you again. Yes, fantastic to be here. Yeah, no, it is terrific. And I we're, we're talking about a topic that a lot of people know about, but not necessarily know what to do with. And that's 401ks. Should be an interesting topic today. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's something that most be, most people are familiar with, right? They, so they yeah. they know that they have a 401k at work. It seems kind of simple, but there's there's a lot to it. And so, you know, in today's episode, I just want to talk through it's basically the staple of most people's retirement planning. And, you know, it's been around for something like 45 years. So at this point, if you haven't heard about it, you're not paying attention. But I just don't know that people are using them to the fullest like they could be. Like, for instance, I, I saw a study that said, I think as much as 70% of participants just stick with whatever matching amount their employer assigned them to, or yeah. I should say contribution amount when they started the plan, and they don't do anything about it. Well, I've seen other statistics, and I can't remember what the rough numbers are right now, but there's a stunning number of employees who have a 401k offered to them that has a matching component from their from their employer, and they don't take advantage of it. That's right. Yeah. It, yeah Which is, you know, so I was telling you before we came on to, on this episode, it's the freest, easiest way to save right, you right. were ever going to find and I used to when I was when I was in, in, in corporate America I used to counsel young employees and I'd say like do opt into this and they'd be like but I'm not making very much money and I'm right. like you know and I'd be like no opt into this because you're not going to see this money it's not it's not a lot of money per paycheck right right but opt in because the company's going to match your amount and in my case the company I was working for matched more than for every mm-hmm. four cents you put in they put six cents in right. I said, you won't get a better deal ever in your life. And and, and it was amazing how much those people had to be persuaded Mm -hmm. to take advantage and participate in their 401k plans. That's right. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. And, you know, keeping our listing uh, audience in mind, you know, generally they're probably earning higher, higher incomes. So it should be a little easier for them to be participating in the 401ks. But to your example, I mean, as you're just getting started out, you might have other priorities and think you'll start later. And before you know it, two, three years goes by. So that's actually why a lot of companies actually do an auto enrollment. And so if you don't opt out, you just get started in the plan. And I mean, it's been a good thing. It has has gotten people to start doing something. Yeah. But what I want to talk about today is is really how you can optimize it, how you can maximize it. So we all know we should participate. If you're you're definitely in the income level where you can do more than just the minimum, we'll talk about some strategies with that. So excellent. You know, the and with that, you know, time is kind of with investing, time is money, right? So the longer you wait the more it's going to cost. Uh, really just getting started earlier is going to provide you more flexibility later. So keep in mind, it's not a giving up of, it's it's kind of like, like a, a choice is freedom mm-hmm. from that aspect. So what we're going to talk about is basically seven different points 
I don't know how I came up with seven. I, I guess it's just a nice number. You're supposed to come well, up with five or seven or whatever. It's but good. as long as you got some points, that breaks yeah. them down for people and their people. That, you know, I think people absorb points better than they do just stream of consciousness, as yes. it were. Right. Me too. Me too. Actually. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to how to max it out. That includes your company match and your own. How to use all the tax advantages. Okay. Do something called front loading your contributions. If you can do that, you need to make sure you stay long enough to get all of it, get your vesting, and then try to minimize the fees while you're there. You've got to invest wisely, not too aggressive, not too conservative. And like we talked about, you know, start early, but don't cash out early. So those are kind of the the big picture bullet points we're going to start with. Okay. So number where do we one, go first? <laughs> well, let's talk about the max it out. So that's that's kind of the most obvious. Like, can, can you just save as much as possible? You know, and it's it's probably the easiest concept to look at. But what does that mean? Well, you know, your your company match is the first place to start. That may be where you max out at first if you're just getting started. And and this could range. You mentioned you know your situation there at the top of the show. A lot of companies will have they'll commonly have a match formula where. If you put in a certain amount, they put in a certain amount, exactly. and then above a, above that percentage, they put in a different percentage, and maybe above that, they put in a different percentage. So uh, sometimes it can be kind of strange to follow. Um, I'll give you an example of a company here in town, Medtronic. The way that theirs works is if you put in, they'll match fifty percent up to the up to the first six percent of your pay. Oh, okay, okay, so basically they're going to put in three percent. Yeah, if you put in more than uh, you know, so you put in 10%, well, they're still only going to match up to the first 6%. So you get 3% from them. However, that's not where it stops. And so with with their plan, it's kind of unique that for those that are doing at least contributing 6%, mm-hmm. okay, and getting that full match, they also are eligible to get another company match at the end of the year if it's made. So there's a discretionary match the company can make. That's pretty common as well. So there's kind of a two-part piece to that. You you need to be making sure you're getting the ongoing match, but then there may be another threshold to cross to get additional discretionary matches or profit sharing that the company gives out. Yeah. Like a bonus almost. Almost like a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. And then some of that comes from, you know, whether people left throughout the year, there's uh, less expenses that, and then they expect it, et cetera, and goes back yeah. into the plan. So so that's the first part, get the company match. But then, then of course, the next threshold would be hitting the, the deferral cap. So there's a limit on how much total you can put into a 401k. So if you, if uh, just to remind people, if they're, they're not familiar, this is pre-tax money. So you're going to, you're going to set aside money out of your paycheck yeah. pre-tax. There's a limit to how much you're allowed to do with that. In 2023, you could set aside 22,500. For next year, though, that's going up to twenty three thousand. So there's a little bit of an index there. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're over fifty, you get a little extra room, so you can put in another seventy five hundred. That's both for this year and next year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that that helps. I mean, you know, for for next year, basically, that's thirty thousand five hundred. You could set aside pre tax if you're in the upper brackets or even really mid brackets, tax brackets. I'm talking about. Yeah. Really worth your your time to do that. Oh yeah, no. Well, and and re, and because it's pre-tax, am I correct in that it also lowers your taxable income? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, simple math: if you made two hundred thousand dollars in mm-hmm. the year, you set aside thirty thousand, you're going to report one hundred and seventy thousand of income. Yeah. And so that's the point you start from. 
Good deal. So it, it's a, it's an immediate, it's an immediate benefit just from the taxes alone. And then on top of that, the match. So this, that's kind of the obvious one, but the reason I bring out this whole maxing it out is because sometimes people just don't realize, you know, how much more room they have to save and uh, the difference it would make in other areas. Some of this, we will get to this in, in future episodes, but uh, if you end up with being lucky enough to have some equity compensation, maybe RSUs or stock options and so forth, some of that income you can't control as easily. And so using a 401k like this can help you uh, reduce your tax bracket on the front end. It, it helps give you some control of that. Um, there's some coordination to do uh, between the two types of income. So the next one, so that's maxing it out. All right. The next one uh, we want to think about is using all your tax advantages. Now, what I mean by that is we we need to think about a lifetime tax rate. So you just mentioned getting a deduction that first year when it went in, right? right. So that was bonus year one. But we also want to think about how much in taxes are we going to pay over our lifetime, over our working years and our retirement years. And if we look at it that way, we may want to take advantage of the Roth 401k side. There's also something called an after-tax contribution in a 401k. So uh, let's go into those for a second. A Roth, so let me back up. 401ks allow you to defer money into them from your paycheck. It can either be pre-tax or Roth, and those are subject to those maximums I just listed, the $22.5 and the $7,500 catch-up okay, for this year. Yeah. You can't do both. So you, you do have to kind of choose. You could either do the, let me rephrase. You can do both, but you can't go over the limit for both. Okay. Gotcha. So sometimes you want to look at your tax bracket and say, do I really want to put all the money in the pre-tax side or do I want to put some in the pre-tax and some in the Roth? We'll do some planning for people and look at, you know, if, if you, based on where you are household income, maybe you only put half in the pre-tax side and the rest, we're just going to go ahead, pay tax on it today. Mm -hmm. and let it go into the Roth side. And over your lifetime, that may be a better better situation for you. Now, there, but there's a there's an income threshold on Roth, right? There is. And, and that's what you're referring to is a Roth IRA. So Roth IRAs do okay. have an income threshold, but it, it's a key point here with the Roth 401k, yeah. there's not an income threshold. Oh, oh, interesting. Yes, and it and that opens up a lot of a lot of planning opportunities for people that would be normally over that threshold. Yeah. Now, that's the the pre-tax and then the Roth side. The next piece is called an after-tax. So, we're still talking about how to use your tax advantages here. Mm -hmm. But not all plans have what's called an after-tax contribution limit or an um feature. We kind of mentioned it in a couple episodes before that it's difficult for uh, the plans to meet all their testing and allow this to be available. But we see in a lot of the bigger companies, especially ones we work with, this feature can be added and it can be super valuable. What it allows you to do is contribute more than those maximums I already mentioned. So let me do an example. You could put in pre-tax, let's say you're over 50. Okay. Okay. So you're able to put in the 22,500 this year plus the 7,500 for the catch-up. Okay, so that's $30,000. Yeah. And with the after tax, you're allowed to put in an additional amount up to a different threshold. And so for 2023, the amount is 66,000 plus the catch up. Okay? Now, what does that mean? I'm just going to ask that question. Yes. <laughs> right, right. 
So what it what it means is it allows you to put an amount over your pre-tax, also into the 401k. If you leave it there, don't do anything about it, it'll grow tax deferred. But later when you retire, that's going to come out and the earnings will be taxable. So sure. it's kind of like halfway between a Roth and a pre-tax account. That's not the real the real value there. The real value is to use that to do what's called a mega backdoor Roth. And so these plans that have this after-tax feature that allow you to put in money after tax over and above, which you normally can defer, usually also allow you to convert that money to the Roth side. So you've put in a dollar, you've already paid the tax on it. You're allowed to move it to your Roth 401k. It's called a conversion. And there's no taxes due because there's no earnings yet at that point. So you've essentially moved money into a Roth in a backdoor way. You're able to really like cap that out. I like this. Yeah. So that's another way to to really look at how to how to maximize the 401k. Do the pre-tax, add as much as possible to the after-tax side if you're allowed. Look at converting it to the Roth side. Now, a couple caveats there. Some of the the plans that allow after tax, they'll usually limit what you can put into after tax up to maybe 10% of your salary. Okay. So even if the overall amount that's available to put in, let's say 69,000 for 2024 is the upper limit, 66,000 for 2023. Even if you wanted to hit that, you might not be able to because of what your company allows you to defer. So that's something where you just need to look at it with a financial advisor. Okay. That's where we need you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) One other piece of this that's related to the 401k, it actually involves that IRA you're talking about. You may want to consider being able to do a backdoor Roth IRA outside of your 401k. In order to do that, there's some tax rules that go around it. We'll, We'll have an episode where we actually go over just the backdoor Roth IRA strategy. Okay. But that comes into play here where you may you may be moving money from outside your 401k, so regular IRAs you own, you may be moving it into your 401k in order to take advantage of things you can do outside your 401k. So it's, all, it's just always a big puzzle piece, set of puzzle pieces with, with this. This is fascinating. It, and it does point out the value of a good financial advisor. The point three I want to go over is something called front-loading your contributions. And this is a strategy that might not be for everyone. It, it kind of depends on how much cash flow you have available because everybody's got to pay, you know, the grocery bill. You have to have a certain amount of income. The rent, the electricity, the gasoline, right. there we go. Exactly. Now, so, but ideally, if you could put all 30,000 you were going to contribute in on January 1st, get it over with, Yeah, that would be ideal. You would have more time for the money to grow tax deferred. It would over time, make a difference. might not make a time in that exact year, but definitely over time, that starts to improve your returns, which you're realizing in returns. But to do this, you have to make sure that your plan, uh, well, first of all, you have to have the cash flow to allow you to do that. But second of all, the the plan has to have what's called a catch up or a true up provision. So you have to be careful because if you start putting away too much money too soon and you meet your cap the maximum you can put away in a year, let's just say by uh, mid-year, by June, Okay. and your plan doesn't have what's called a true-up provision, you may miss out on some of the match because some plans only match based on each payroll period. Gotcha. Okay. Plans with the true-up provision, like Medtronic, I pointed out earlier some things about their plan, more or less they'll catch you up. So if you got all your money in in the first quarter and then you weren't deferring any more money the rest of the year, 
they'd make sure you got all your match. Their contribution would base, be based on what you contributed. That's right. That's right. Okay. But if the plan has that, consider pushing money in earlier. And maybe you live off of, to do that, maybe you live off your RSU, RSU income or you know other stock options or cash accounts. Okay. All right. So we've we've got the money in. Now we want to stay we want to stay long enough to make sure we get it all. All right. There's most plans have some sort of uh, vesting schedule, and you got to be cognizant of how that works. There can be both a component to a number of years you stay to get the match. Uh, there can also be a component of when certain profit sharing contributions or matches get put in. So. I'm simplifying it here, but let's just say you leave mid plan year and you're not there till all the way to the last day of a plan year. Okay. You might not actually get some of the contribution. Yeah. You might also, in addition to that, if you'd stayed just one more year, one full more year, and that could have turned out to just be a few months, um, you might miss out on 20% of what they've put in as, as a contribution yeah. because of the vesting requirements. Mm -hmm. So be really careful of how the vesting works, the timing of when you leave. And you may want to factor that into, you know, your job negotiation. Like if you're actually leaving because you've got another position, you may want to actually look at how much am I giving up? And if I could negotiate staying another one month or two months, mm -hmm. what does that turn out to be worth? Interesting. I had a job once where I was went, went with this company and they, they had a five-year vesting and I, uh, yeah, it was five years and I, and I left after two and I, it was like, I watched this. That's right. <laughs> go yes. away. And it was just, it was painful. It was painful, man. It's like, ah, uh, and worse because of, because of accounting rules, you know, you're reminded of that in your, in your account all the time. When you look, when you look in your brokerage account, they're like, there, I had this empty IRA. Well, not IRA, this empty 401k. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, right. It Reminding hangs out me. there. You lost it, Bill. <laughs> yes, it hangs out there. Fidelity forever, you know, or whatever, yeah, exactly. you, whatever your uh, your plan is. Okay, so so stay long enough to 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 keep it all. Then the, one of the most important ones is actually minimizing fees. So these four hundred one k plans are great. I mean, especially with the big, the bigger companies we're working with, you know, Boston Scientific, Baxter. I mean, they're large enough that they can provide an economies of scale to their employees, and so the fees within the plans are relatively low. The funds, the the investment options that are being used are also relatively low, but there's still work you can do. So usually each 401k plan lineup has a number of investment options to choose from. There might be one or two or 10 different bond funds, one or two or 10 different stock funds, on and on and on. Being careful of what you're paying for each fund is super important. In other words, don't just look at the the last year's returns and use that as your driver. Right. Most of the time, the lower the cost for that investment vehicle is going to be more of a predictor of how well that fund is going to do over time than the actual most recent returns. Yeah. So you're talking about the management fee that is disclosed. Yes. So you can look at those five different bond funds. Let's just stay with that. Yep. And see that each of those bond funds have has a different cost. That's right. A lot of times it's not really significant, but sometimes it can be. I, I'm shocked sometimes when I look at it. I'm like, why is that? 
Why is that fun? So so much much more. more. That's right. That's right. And sometimes it doesn't even seem to be worth it. Now, like I said, you know, a lot of these these companies, they're having to screen these investment options. So you should have reasonably good options, but it really does make a difference with the fees. Now that's that's with just the the fund fee, the management expense, like you pointed out. Yeah. But there's other fees within the 401k you need to pay attention to. So the big one that I'll that I'll point out is you may be offered a portfolio management service. So sometimes it might be called like a, you know, personalized planning and advice service. I got you. Um, okay. And this can, you know, it can seem like a, a good thing to have or a good service to have, but I'll see where that might cost a third of a percent. So far more than the investment options you're paying for, which is, which is quite a bit. It's quite a, it's quite expensive for what's provided. Now, if you're working with a financial advisor, you're, you're, likely going to pay more than that, but you're also going to get a lot more, a lot of tax planning and, you know, looking at your estate and coordinating the whole picture with these services are inside the 401k plans. They're usually just built to select a few funds and then rebalance them for you. And that's pretty much the extent of what they provide. Often we find they're just not worth it. You can build your own for a lot less. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. But I mean, let's face it, a lot of people, I think, are in, one of the things that they drag their feet about getting into a 401k is they're like, yeah, but I, I, I've I, got $10,000 sitting in there now. What, what do I do with it? I, I have no idea. Yes. So that if someone says to them, well, you know, we're going to offer you a service and it's going to, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to have a nominal cost. They're like thinking, well, okay, let's do that because I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I would agree with you that, that that doing something is better than nothing in this case. Yeah, and absolutely, if that is the that is the piece that's holding you back, uh, go ahead and take advantage. There's there's other ways to manage with without it, and you could use what's called a target date fund. Those are very uh, common inside of the 401ks. There's uh-huh. usually sort of a a one stop easy button that you can choose. If that's what's holding you back, is you don't know what to choose. Just pick something that's appropriate for your age, kind of the easy button portfolio that's usually yeah. available, get going. But if you want to optimize, which is what we're talking about here today, exactly, you can open that up, the wrapper of that, probably manage it yourself or work with an advisory firm like ours or, or your current advisor and, and just sort of recreate that portfolio management and cut, cut your fees maybe 50%. Wow. It's a significant item. So that's the fees. Now that's actually, there's one one more item on the fees I almost missed is, so that's the internal options. But a lot of these companies, they also offer what's called an external brokerage window. And this is pretty important. So where maybe a company might offer a, a nice lineup of 15 to 20 different choices, sometimes less, maybe it's only 10. One of those choices might be to allow you to set up an account at a large brokerage firm like Fidelity or Charles Schwab or whoever the provider is that that company is working with. And then you can move your payroll deferral dollars over to the brokerage company and choose whatever you'd like to invest in there. There can be some restrictions. They don't let you necessarily do every single thing available, but for the most part, you have a a wide open world to choose from. Mm. Now, taking advantage of that, if if you're comfortable doing that yourself, or if you're working with an advisor that can help you doing that, you can usually find a much broader set of choices to invest in, as well as cut the cost in some cases significantly. Yeah, that's great. 
I don't see a downside to that. <laughs> right. Well, the you know, the downside really is that if you're using some overconfidence, you know, it sounds like a good idea. Great. I can yeah. send my 401k money over to, to uh, your brokerage account and just go go nuts and buy a, a bunch of high tech, you know, aggressive tech stocks, let's say that may not be the best choice. So use some prudence, mm. but if we're talking about optimizing, that is a way to, to lower some cost. Now we get into number six. So number six is invest wisely. Which so, we're already kind of touching on, t- we're already sort of touching on the topic anyway. We we are. Yeah, it, it, exactly. With the brokerage window, that's really one of the first pieces of the invest wisely. That may be an option for you to choose. So if you're looking across the investment options available, make sure you consider using a brokerage window if it means that you can add something to your portfolio that's beneficial. But probably the most important piece about the invest wisely point is I don't want you to invest too safe. Okay, not not too aggressively either, but I would rather have someone err on the side of investing a little more aggressively than too conservatively. And why? Well, why do you spe- think that especially is? especially if they're not, you know, if they're not sixty years old. Especially then, especially then, the biggest risk really people have with retirement is is not keeping up with inflation. When you're investing too conservatively, God forbid you're invested in cash, you know, sort of the default option um, or some default option in a plan, I would say, you know, invest a little more aggressively than maybe you initially think um, you can. And and a reason reason I think that's easier to do in a 401k is you're putting money in every two weeks. Okay. So the difference here is kind of psychological. If you had an account with $100,000 in it, sitting at your brokerage account, you knew you deposited exactly $100,000. And you then habitually check in on your account every day and watch it go up and down across a hundred thousand. You're not adding any money to it, and you know exactly what you've made or lost. That can really play with your head. Oh well, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, if you're in your 401k, you you're getting new money put in every two weeks, and so that addition from your paycheck helps to kind of mask some of those ups and downs. But it also it also lets you buy when the market's on sale. Uh, when you maybe normally wouldn't because money's going in from your paycheck, yeah. you hit it on sale, you set it, forget it. Well, this is a topic for another another podcast, and I'm sure you'll you'll touch on it. But there is this whole idea of, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of investment strategies and, and looking at, and whether you should, in fact, be looking at your portfolio every day to watch it move up and down. And is that really the wisest way to manage what you're doing? Right. I, I know some guys who like, uh, they, they, they're, they're on it. And, and, you know, I considered them over the years to be more typically like day trader-ish than, you know, invested. And, yes. and mind you, these were not day traders, okay? These were just people with 401ks and they were like constantly trying to figure out what do I do next and how do I make an adjustment here and what do I do and uh you know I'm we I don't want to get into it now but it's like I'm sure that that's something you're going to talk about it <laughs> coming up well yeah it, it is I maybe I'll even just touch on it here for a second that that is the one hesitation of, of even when I put together what we're going to talk about today is when when we talk about a brokerage window which I've mentioned now twice as being yep. an advantage that is probably the biggest caveat there because it's easy to feel uh, like a hero when the you know the information is only like a keyboard click away, right? So if you if you're able, if your plan allows you to send all of your pay, payroll deferral over to 
a large brokerage firm like Fidelity just as it's, an example. They're the number one. So let's just call it. If you and separate. you log on to, exactly. And you log on to your account. You have more information than you could ever want about what you want to invest in. And it feels like you could do anything until you try it for a while and realize it takes, uh, oh yeah, you have to get some work done today. Um, oh yeah, you can't check in on this every five minutes. Um, you know, your, your spouse elbows you cause you're, you're like checking the stock prices on yeah, your date. Exactly. I mean, um, that is the caveat of using a brokerage window. So use it wisely. <laughs> Fair point. So talked about investing wisely. Um, if you need some help, you know, get some help. Uh, it's, it's worth it over time, even if it's just for the coaching aspect. Last one, talk about starting early. Don't cash out early. And, and you also got to have to remember your RMDs. Okay. Your required minimum distributions talked at the top of the show about starting early. That's probably the biggest aspect of successful investing is just get going. That compounding is huge over time. You could contribute for the first 10 years of your career and then stop and conceivably have more money accumulated than someone who waited for 20 years before they started contributing because just of the time aspect. Yep. Don't cash out early though. And so unfortunately, it's a pretty high statistic of people that leave their job. They haven't saved up elsewhere. They look to their 401k as a piggy bank and they pull it out and, and it's it's a huge penalty. I mean, not only are they paying tax now in the year they pull it out, they're going to pay a penalty on the money that they pull out. So don't cash out early. Don't be tempted. Like it's, it's, it's tempting. That goes back to the planning. So you have other money available. And then yeah. the last one is you got to remember your RMDs. Why? Why so? Well, so the most plans, and actually let me define that. So RMD stands for required minimum distribution. Okay. It's not something you should have to worry about until hopefully you're retired at that point, but you know, right. into your, into your seventies, most plans will remind you about needing to take your RMDs if you still have money in the plan. Gotcha. Okay. But there is a minimum amount that has to come out every year. And if you don't take it out every year on time, significant penalty to it. This is one of the, this is one of the reasons that you may want to consider after you've left your position. It's just one of the aspects you want to consider, whether you want to consolidate all of your investment accounts into one place and keep track of it. Very fair point. So those are the seven. I mean, it's, it's, those are pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty easy. Like it, Easy kind of commonsensical, you know, they really are I mean, genuinely commonsensical, you know. Yes. Yeah. Easy in discussion, maybe harder in execution. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's we'll, always in the execution, isn't it? <laughs> right. We'll get into later, you know, some of the, it, if we have questions that come back about, well, how, how do I actually take some advantage of this if I don't have the cash flow? That'll be a later episode of how to manage that. A lot of it will try to coordinate with other aspects of your financial situation to make sure. So just to kind of wrap it up, you know, we covered how to max out the plan, seven things you want to consider, maxing out your plan, getting the company match in your own, make sure you get all the tax advantages. So the multiple types of the plan, see if you can front load your contributions. You just get more compounding uh, the faster you get the money in there, but be careful that you don't miss out the match when you do that. Yeah. Be careful you stay long enough to get all of the money that the company's put in for you. Your vesting is a big deal. Pay attention to it. Minimize the fees in your plan. Uh, in multiple different ways to do that from the internal investment options to using external brokerage options. And then invest wisely. So don't just stick with the default investment option you were given. 
when you enrolled, that might not be the best thing for you. Look at ways to invest that meet your financial plan. Uh, and the last one is just get started early. Don't cash it out and remember your RMDs. So hopefully that is helpful and um, it helps people just kind of realize this, the significant benefit of their 401k that uh, they could be missing out on. It's a really great benefit. Thank you for your common sense approach to it. You know, I realize that most of the folks listening to this podcast are already probably doing a number of these things, but there might be some who have not yet started. So that goes back to the get started early part of the deal. Okay, Matt, thank you very much. This has been a good and useful episode in terms of the 401k, shedding a little bit of light on it. For those of you who are listening and who are not subscribers, you might want to hit the subscribe button. That way you will not miss another podcast. It will simply appear in whatever listening device you use, and you can stay in touch with Matt all along the way. And speaking of stay in touch, before we get out of here, Matt, how do people get a hold of you if they want to have a further conversation about this? You know, I think you could start with our with our website. It's at perspective six, the number six group.com. Okay. You can also, when you're at the website, I actually have a, a white paper we wrote on ways to maximize the Medtronic 401k plan. We dug into their plan documents, pulled out some of the nuggets. You can download that and see if it's helpful. We'll be adding other plans um, in the future. And uh, speaking of, if you have ideas for the show or suggestions uh, for for white papers you want to see, uh, maybe it's a different plan, contact us at the podcast. It's MWA Podcast, MedTech Wealth Advisor Podcast, MWA Podcast at FocusFinancial.com. And just drop us a line and let us know what you want to hear. That'd be great. What, what, before we wrap this episode up, what have we got coming up? What can we look forward to? You know, the next one we're gonna we're gonna kind of continue down the optimizing your benefits pathway. We started with the mostly the the more simple side of things. Everybody has four hundred one ks. The next one we're gonna talk about is employee stock purchase plans, so ESPPs. It's a little um, more complicated, but tune in for that. We'll see if we can sort it out. Yet another reason to hit the subscribe button. So do it right now. Just punch it. And if you feel so moved, we ask that you rate us and share it with other people. Spread the word about the podcast. On behalf of Matt Nelson and everybody at MedTech Wealth, I'm Bill Tucker urging you to do not wait. Go out and live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the MedTech Wealth Advisor Podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.perspective6group.com or give us a call toll-free at 888-591-9770 or locally at 952-225-0333. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Osaic Wealth, Inc., and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Investment advisory, insurance, and financial planning services offered through Focus Financial, Inc. Securities offered through Osaic Wealth, Inc. Member, FINRA forward slash SIPC. 
Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services mentioned here are independent of Osaic Wealth.